1: Please take
0: your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Wimbledon Round 2 catch-up sponsored by DownloadTennis.com.
0: Djokovic and Triontech sell through.
1: Kennan continues run.
0: Britt, Bolter and Brodie are through to the third round.
1: Chris, today is the 6th of July. We are here to catch up on the second round of Wimbledon. Some first round matches as well, to, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, lots lots going on in the grounds today as Wimbledon plays catch up. Uh, we're actually recording right now from the queue in Wimbledon Park, which is very exciting. Uh, one of our only kind of live podcasts, I think, and the first one from the Wimbledon queue. So yeah, uh, lots of firsts for the podcast. But how are you finding it, Chris? You've camped. Um, you're you're camping for tomorrow, you've pitched your tent. How was your queue experience so far?
0: Well, I did have the assistance of the fact that one of the podcast co-hosts, and spoiler alert, it's not Joel, um, was able to help me with this. So Kim, you've been very helpful. We're set up, we've got the plan. We know we're putting our tent in the morning, but I feel it's slightly too soon for me to say because I haven't actually camped a single night yet. So once I've done it, I will let you know how it goes. And even if it's awful, I'll tell Joel it's a breeze and he should do it.
1: Yeah, we won't um yeah, we we will just sort of gloss over the like, less salubrious and less nice bits about camping, like having to get up at God knows what hour of the morning. I mean, I was very impressed. I've just been to see your your tent set up. You've got a blackout tent, which I didn't even know you could get blackout tent. So that is amazing. Because one of the things that always wakes you up early is the light. And you've also got a, a glow in the dark sort of disco light bulb. So are you gonna be having all the fun tonight in the queue?
0: Well, I did look at the, the rules. And it says no music after 10 pm so before 10 pm our, our very silver tent as well as our flashing light <laughs> will be in full effect as we have a, a disco in the wimbledon queue but um no i think we've got a good setup i think we've got what we need we have um uh, a pe- pack of cards which i thought i'd lost i hear that's a, an absolute staple for the queue um and i think as far as, as far as we're concerned a good night ahead of us we hope
1: yeah, and you've got me visiting uh, to do this with you right now, so it's always nice to have visitors in the queue. Um, I mean, we're about to well, we're recording as Andy Murray's just literally stepped on court for his match against Tsitsipas so maybe the the light bulb will come in handy for some celebrations in a couple of hours' time. Um, so we'll we'll update as the score goes on. I think they're two all in the first set at the moment. I've been on the grounds today. Um, it has been a really good day so far for British players. So hopefully Murray can make it a trio of british wins because we've had liam Brody and katie balter both win today Brody, especially five sets over caspar Rood on center court six love in the fifth set as well um i don't know if you've seen loads of that match because of you know coming to set up your tent um i've been in the grounds but on outside court so i haven't you know watched too much of it myself but what a result for liam Brody!
0: yeah it's fantastic i think what's kind of the most surprising about that is that that fifth set i think you'd think given the experience that Casper's had, that he would get through that. And fresh off a final at Roland Garros, I think he was definitely the form player coming in. I mean, maybe not on grass. And as we've kind of joked about, he hasn't necessarily spent that much time um, near grass. Uh, apart from on the golf course but i mean incredible for liam Brody. probably the biggest win of his career on the biggest stage in tennis and anyone who is a british tennis fan he's been probably been following liam for so long i think um although i didn't get to see too much of it um it's just an, an unbelievable result and it's a talk of the queue, kim
1: yeah i mean i can imagine everyone would have been really excited following that earlier on in the queue and yeah the nature of that fifth set i think he just played played out of his mind and made casper look quite frankly ordinary um how he ran away with it was just brilliant he, he will play Shapovalov in the third round um I mean regardless of what happens now it's so fantastic for, for Liam Brody um and we also had Katie Balter making it through to the third round again uh, she won in three sets over Victoria Tomova she won the first set six love and then dropped the second I was wondering if she was going to become another victim of that six love first set uh you know ending up in a, in a loss, but she managed to um, avoid that particular statistic, didn't she, Chris?
0: She did. Um, I kind of feel like winning a set 6-love is almost a bad omen when it comes to tennis because it's only going to go downhill from then. Even if you play a next fantastic set and it's 6-1, I mean, that still isn't Um, as good as your previous set so it's very hard to kind of especially for a player like Bolter, because when she's on she's on and when she's off she's really off so for her to come through in three I think is is really impressive and um, yeah I think she had a great run last year as well before going out and kind of a bit of a whimper uh, to Harmony Tan so I think what would be brilliant would be with some ranking points um, this will be fantastic for the British number one who will only be soaring up the rankings after this
1: yeah, I think with that victory today, she's projected to go up to 70 in the world, which will be her highest ranking, I believe. She does have Rabakina in the next round, the defending champion. That's that's obviously going to be Senderkot, I would imagine. Um, so we wish her well. She can only go out there and, you know, do her, her best. Hopefully the pressure will be off because I don't think anyone will really be expecting her to win that one, which probably will will help with the pressure. Um, but yeah, fantastic, you know, from her. We did have Jan Choinski as well in action today, but he did lose in straights to who her cash which i think is a very respectable result and just a note on her cash he's played two slam matches now both in straight sets um which has broken his run of playing five sets in every slam match this year so i'm sure he'll be delighted that he's not going the distance like some other players but um yeah let's i mean we've had lots in action today i was out on mostly on court four and three today i i got here at 5 a.m chris i hope you're very proud of me woke up at 4am got to the queue for 5am uh to get in a lot of the matches i was aiming to see quite early on so i needed to make sure i was in um i started my day off with sophia kenin who was able to make it you know into the third round um her run is continuing she beat wang jinyu of china six four six three she wasn't as impressive as the other day but she got the job done in straight sets and Yeah, her her run continues. How far can she go? I mean, how far do you think Svea Kenning can go, Chris? What are your expectations now we've seen her get into the third round?
0: Well, I mean, as you'll hear a little bit later on the podcast, I did say that I now think she's going to be forecast to win. Um, But no, I think it's very, very difficult after you get a big match win like that to back it up. I think she found it a bit difficult um, when she played... Uh, Savalenka, i think it was in rome and got the win and then it's very hard to kind of get it done against a player who now people are starting to talk about you again as being the favorite um to win some of those matches so fantastic to see her play well and um in terms of that match that you saw in terms of the ball striking have you seen kennan play before is there anything you can compare it to in terms of uh where her level is at do you think in terms of compared to her peak
1: yeah, I mean, I saw her match against Goff on Court 1 on Monday and she was phenomenal on that occasion. She definitely wasn't in the same like level today. And I was thinking how much of that is because she's been shoved on Court 4 versus a show court and, you know, her opponent was not of the same calibre as, as a Coco Goff. And Court 4 is quite noisy. There's a lot of people moving past. You get a lot of distractions on the outside court so you don't normally get on the show court. So I did think that part of it was that, just the environment that she was in. And I think I saw an indication of the, how she struggled maybe over the last kind of few years, of not being on that kind of more elevated um, platform where you do kind of, I, It's not saying it's easier, but it, you know, it is, um, you, you're more likely to perform when you're on those kind of occasions rather than sort of grinding it out on the outside court. So yeah, she wasn't as good as we've seen, but the fact she got it done in straight sets, it didn't drag on and she was, you know, consistent enough um, certainly the better player. So I think she's still um, performing well, which was was nice to see. Um, following that match, um, well, there was a slight um, finishing of, of a men's match. I saw a bit of Roberto Cabaye's biena play, I think, three or four games to finish his match against Arnaldi that was delayed from light the day before. But, I stuck around because I wanted to see a bit of Mira Andreva, which is the first time I've seen her play live. And she was up against Krachikova, who obviously knocked out Heather Watson yesterday. Um Andreva took the first set and then I I actually headed off um to, to go elsewhere. But after that, she was up for love and Krachikova retired. Um so I personally couldn't really see Krachikova being hampered like too much. She certainly wasn't playing that well. Um but she had some strapping, I think, but it wasn't something I was particularly expecting. Um, but I was quite pleased, you know, to see Andreva. There's been a lot of hype about her. She's only 16. There were definitely people on the court who had turned up to see her, see what all the fuss was about. Um, so, yeah, I'm pleased she's into the third round because I, I like her attitude on the court. And I don't know, what what do you make of her game? So I don't know if we've sort of um, discussed it at, t- at too much length, but do you think she is the kind of, next teenager we should be looking out for
0: well i think anyone who's that much of a fan of andy murray is certainly someone who we should be a fan of and um, i'm sure she's watching this evening she's probably very nervous um she said she did have a run-in with murray but she was too nervous to say something she left sw19 immediately she just got out of there so um but in terms of her game (laughs) she uh really is the next sort of star i really do think that her performances in madrid were exceptional and i really do believe that Um, when it comes to the matches she's played in qualifying, she's been blitzing it and playing really well on the grass. I mean, she won't have played that much on the grass previously. Um, And I think that probably does help her when she plays against some of these opponents because it's very hard to find a lot of matches that she's played, very hard to know... what sort of a player you'll be playing on court. So I think she can really use that to her advantage when it comes to being sort of the element of surprise in the draw. And we love a story like this at Wimbledon and we've mainly predicted seeds. So it looks like we, we might not get all of it right with um, our predictions. And maybe Andre will be a welcome break in our predictions being correct.
1: Absolutely. And I mean, could she? I'm just thinking, you know, Sharapova won at 17. I wonder if if Andreeva could potentially uh, go on to, you know, spring a a massive surprise. Um, But we had a lot of really good women's matches um, today out on the grounds. I was at one of them, Caroline Garcia, you know favorite of the podcast the renaissance <laughs> against leila fernandez that went to a last set tiebreak. Uh, it was a really good match uh garcia coming from a set down loads of fernandez fans in the crowd actually um so i think there whether well, a lot of canadians over but um yeah it was it i thought it could have gone either way really because they were pretty level um but garcia really upped her her level um the, the love hold she got to take it into that much tiebreak. i think really set the the tone for the match tie break um and she yeah she'd really kind of continued her her aggressiveness and her confidence and um you know she said afterwards that she was very emotional she had some really tough losses this year so i think she was just trying to remain um positive throughout and not let the memory of those tough losses kind of get to her so she was delighted and very emotional to get through um obviously i was pleased to see her play but yeah we've also had um Sloan Stevens against Donna Vekic that went three. Are you? How are you feeling after that one, Chris? Because Sloan, I thought she was going to win that. She was a set and, and a break up. I think five, maybe five two five three up or something in the second set. Yeah. What, what, how are you feeling after that one?
0: Oh, I mean, I saw I saw the post in our WhatsApp chat and I thought Sloan's getting it done, um, and so close to what would be a fantastic win, and I obviously loves Sloane, but it's just such a shame that she isn't able to get some of these matches done when she is up. Um, we've seen it quite a lot recently when it comes to some of those big matches in some of the big tournaments and uh, there's no reason why she couldn't have had a deep run here. Vekic is playing fantastically and obviously Sloane was as well and uh, I will watch the highlights back. I didn't get to see all of that match. I saw a few of the a few points here and there, but it did look like she did step away from being aggressive and Vekic really did go for broke when it came to um, it's it's all in at the end when you're far down I think she played lights out so very impressive from Vekic we do all predict her to do a good run here um, but as a Sloan stand I am I'm genuinely gutted Kim
1: oh hopefully you know you'll have some fun in the queue tonight and that will make up for it um, <laughs> disco 10 <laughs> um, yeah I think you know she. I think it was a great match for court one I think um, you know the obviously former Grand Slam champion up against kind of a player who's been in great form and you know Vekic kind of justifying that that form and coming through, and she was obviously delighted at the end as well. Uh, we had Benchic winning on a last set tiebreak against Danielle Collins as well. Uh Svitlina won through in, in three over Mertens. That was a weird match. A lot of 6-1 <laughs> scorelines very up and down. Don't think they played well at the same time. <laughs> um, sadly, we had a net contivate um bow out on court 18 against Buzkova in straight sets. So um her final farewell to tennis. Um what will be your lasting memory of a net Chris?
0: Well, I would say um the best thing about Contivate would probably be the memes about her indoor court prowess. Um, that's been fantastic. That there's a, a meme on Twitter which is that every time there's a new tournament, there's a campaign for it to be uh, done indoors for Annette Contivate fans because they've taken this so to heart that amazing run she had at the end of uh 2021 and reaching number two being from Estonia. I think it's an incredible achievement and um, uh. Hopefully, she can have a little bit of a swan song in the doubles with Rusevori. We do talk about that a bit later on in the podcast. Um, that Um, We're not sure which will be her final farewell, but looks like she'll have someone by her side and hopefully be playing in a very fun clash.
1: Yes, absolutely. Another player we will be mentioning later in the pod is Taylor Fritz, uh, because we mentioned, I think, that he finished his five-setter against Hanfman only yesterday, but he's gone out uh, in five to... Emma Mickel Emma of Sweden from two sets uh, down actually Emma came back to win that so Taylor Fritz's season kind of continues to um yeah go a bit wrong really i mean he, he's going to obviously he's not been able to to reach the form of of his Wimbledon last year um yeah his his kind of slump continues which is is not great he will not be happy at all about that match today Uh, out on court 18 against Ema. Um, And yeah, I mean, we'll be obviously showing our bit that we recorded yesterday later. So listeners, uh, take what you listen to (laughs) with a a pinch of salt because we probably make some dodgy predictions, um, including uh, when we talk about uh, Andy Murray. Um, But Chris, you've got centre court tickets for tomorrow. You're high enough in the queue to to have got those. Um, you've got Alcaraz on court, Sviontek, and then you've got long-anticipated match perhaps between Djokovic and Stan the man, Wawrinka. What are you most looking forward to seeing on Centre tomorrow?
0: Well, I have to say as a um, a true WTA stan and something that Joel always says that I'm always watching, the slightly less well-known WTA players, uh, I'm a massive fan of Petra Martic. I think she is. Really a very elegant and a very um, impressive player to watch. So I think the style of Martik, who will be doing volleys, she's got a great serve, lots of variety, lots of slices, will make for a very entertaining clash with Iga. Um So very much looking forward to that. And I'm also always looking forward to, um, and I'm sure you'll agree with this, Kim, it's just great to be around the ground, seeing doubles matches you never knew were on. Who knows? We might even see... Uh, Bedosa, sitsipas could be playing, you want to see another cup, you see all sorts could be happening. So um, I think it's about taking in the atmosphere, but I do think that seeing Iga on centre, I'm particularly looking forward to.
1: Queen Iga, no, lovely. And I mean, I'm, I'm going to be quite curious about how Stan does against Djokovic. You know, a lot of people saying he's beaten him at every other slam. Can he make it, you know, a, a win at Wimbledon as well to kind of complete the set. You know, weverinka won through, I think over Echeverry in four sets today. Um but I don't see it happening. I don't think Wavrink is the player he was a couple of years ago when he beat Djokovic on all of those separate occasions. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not too sure about that one. But, you know, it, it definitely, uh, I guess, deserves a centre-court billing. Um, I was going to ask him
0: before we do wrap up, I would love to know what your highlight of the tennis you've seen so far from the week one activity has been.
1: Yes, because this is my last day at Wimbledon. I'm not planning on coming again, I don't think. So... My highlight actually I think was the goff Kennan match because it was such a high level it, you know, could have been a Grand Slam final, I thought, just the calibre of hitting. And especially to see Sophia Kennan with the intensity that she had from the go, I was so impressed. And that was slightly missing from her today. I don't think she had that same sort of intensity. She didn't bring it to the same level. But that was probably my highlight in terms of the tennis. Um, but otherwise it was just lovely to be to be back. I had a great, you know, queue experience. Um, and I guess the low light was was the rain on Tuesday but um, you know today has been a nice sunny day so yeah it's just lovely to be around the grounds and uh, you know you'll be getting that tomorrow but yeah I think the golf kennin match um, and I would love to see Sophia-Kennin go really deep here as a result of what I saw on, on the first round um, but um, yeah we're going to take a very quick break now we will be back in the second half looking back on day three of Wimbledon bear in mind this was recorded yesterday so there may be some um, by the time this goes out potentially some very out of date um, predictions. So um, do not go anywhere. This episode is brought to you by NordVPN.
0: NordVPN is a virtual private network, which means it protects your internet connection and privacy online.
1: VPNs create an encrypted tunnel for your data, protecting your online identity by hiding your IP address.
0: But What does this mean for our Tennis Weekly listeners? Well, we chose to partner with NordVPN because it will allow you to watch tennis wherever you are.
1: With NordVPN, you can connect to servers around the world, so when you're looking to watch live tennis and get that pesky message, this stream is not available in your market, all you have to do is open NordVPN, click on a location and you'll be connected in seconds.
0: Personally, I've been using NordVPN for the last two years since I moved to Denmark, allowing me to still connect to my UK streaming services and watch all the tennis matches I need to in order to provide the best analysis I can every week on the podcast.
1: So if you're looking to watch every call at Wimbledon, but you can't in your market, or you're on your summer holiday and want to keep up on all the action from SW19, then NordVPN has you covered.
0: Download NordVPN today with our exclusive deal at NordVPN Weekly. But make sure you use our link to secure the best deal and support the podcast. It really does help us keep doing what we love.
1: Plus, it's risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Sign up before the players are ready and take to the court. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to look at day three's play from the championships. After a bit of a topsy-turvy on and off start with a bit more rain, we did finally get a clear run of action on the outside courts, uh, which was great. Uh, We could get through some of the matches, although there are still some players, Chris, that haven't made it onto court yet. Uh, One of them is Bianca Andreescu. Uh, She tweeted... Uh, Not so long ago to say that she's hoping to play her first round tomorrow on day four, uh, which just kind of sounds a bit ridiculous. But it's not the first time we've seen this happen at Wimbledon, is it?
0: no and also i think um there's a bit of a bonus you know you can say you made it to day four whereas uh, you know you start on a sunday at one of the other slams you don't even make it to day one in my mind so i think there are some positives i know that players have gone under the radar before like emma radicani when she had that breakthrough year i think she had a very delayed first round and then suddenly she was the story of the tournament so um, there's there are some benefits to it but i do think they probably want to get it out of the way now
1: yeah, and it might mean they have to play obviously multiple days in a row, but they do that at the other tournaments, you know, on the on the tour, uh, the rest of the year. So it's not an alien concept to to the players. Uh, but let's look actually at what results we did have today, the matches that did get done on the women's side. Uh, you spoke with Joel about the the court location of this match in particular. net Contevate uh, against. Uh, Lucrezia Stefanini obviously Contovate playing in her last ever tournament you both thought that court six was uh, not not a great court um, for Contovate and they did still uh, schedule her for court six uh, despite all the kind of rain delays but she did navigate that match and she won in straight sets so perhaps you know for her next round she will be promoted to a, a higher sort of status of court uh, but really pleased that she was able to get get her win it's, you know we don't want to see her going out early on her final ever tournament so let's hope that she you know does get the chance to maybe say a farewell on a on a more um you know more of a show court um but you know do you think she can maybe go on a bit of a run here you know it would be quite fitting given her her storyline.
0: Yeah, it's quite a good draw, actually. I mean, uh, playing a qualifier in round one and then going on to play the number 32 seed, Marie Bushkova. So that's not a bad draw. Um, It gives kind of a real chance to go to the third round and then you'll be hopefully playing against a higher seed. So it could be that will win two matches to get herself onto a show court, which um, feels a little bit on the harsh side. But she's also playing mixed doubles with Finland's Emil Roussevori. So... You know, with mixed doubles that you do get some fantastic evening scheduling um, when they're waiting to allocate them to to different courts. So there could be some evening show court action and this might not be her final, final farewell. So I think having the mixed doubles is super nice because that's such a great atmosphere to have a farewell um, match in in that sort of a setting.
1: I think that's quite a nice pairing, actually. And I, I could see them too, like, forming quite a good team. And I think, you know, we've got some cracking pairs in the mixed doubles and we've got a lot of, of couples. Wimbledon are doing quite a lot of promotion behind um, the fact that Katie Balter and Alex de Manor are playing together in the mix and also Sitsipas and Bidosa. Um So, you know... There's some cracking pairs. I think it could be quite a good tournament when they finally get onto court uh, and start that competition. Uh, It's not normally until later in the championships anyway. Um, But it would be nice to see her perhaps go on a run either in the singles or the mixed. And actually, you know, Maybe the organisers didn't think Contabate-Stefanini was um, a particularly spectacular match to put on the show courts. But the show courts today, especially Centre Court, we haven't had particularly spectacular matches. You know, we've had some some British players and, and higher seeds. But Centre Court in particular, some real uh, demolition jobs going on. Um, we started off with Jodie Burridge against Kazakina. And, you know, this was six love, six two. Burridge's first time on centre court and it was not great. She was very nervous and it was just really difficult to watch at times. And I think, you know, she didn't really turn up. It's a big shame, but is there an argument that, you know, British players shouldn't be given um, their opportunity on centre court if it makes for potentially a really one-sided and poor quality match?
0: I think you have to think about when you give wild cards... Um, for these tournaments in terms of whether it is the right thing to do in terms of the level of the players i think with Burridge, she's obviously shown some great form um and you would hope that it would be a situation where players kind of rise to the occasion and i think it's one where genuinely Burridge thought she would she said she was so excited when she saw where she was scheduled Um, and it's one of those things where she wasn't able to deal with the nerves in the way that she wanted to and she did settle a little bit but um, it was it was way too late and that's what happens when you play against these top players on these big courts is in 19 minutes you can lose a set and then suddenly you've got to find your game. It's a race against time. So the positive is if you do schedule Brits on these courts who are on the up like Burridge, then the next time they're there, hopefully, um, hopefully they will, she will be there again. Uh, they're able to put in a much better showing, but it wasn't a great showing from a British women's tennis perspective because... That first set, I have to say, um, I did get a few sort of WhatsApp saying, What's going on here? Is everything okay? And um, I think it was okay. I think it's just playing on tennis's biggest stage in front of David Beckham.
1: David Beckham, yeah, he was there. So that's enough to put anyone under you know pressure isn't it having um such a a famous legend of you know the sporting world in the uk watching you um but yeah i mean she's got that exposure and experience now so hopefully she will get into this position again where she's in the second round of wimbledon against the top seed and you know she'll rise to the occasion next time i guess you know you just don't know until you put them on the court in that situation and we, we have seen other players um you know making more of a match of it before so it's just i guess you, you just don't know what you get on the day really um we had eager shviontek follow that match as well um and that was also just an absolute um obliteration really six love and six two again over Sara Cereba's Tormo. just over an hour's play shviontek doing what she does best and, and winning comfortably um And yeah, SST not able to make a marathon of the match um, this time around, much to Joel's dismay. Um, What I thought was interesting is Sri actually now has one of the highest winning percentages in um, Grand Slam events, uh, 82.9%. So that's pretty good, isn't it? Going onto court, knowing that you've got, you know, obviously a very solid uh, high chance of winning the match and and winning it very comfortably, dishing out yet another bagel. Um, Do you think she's looking strong to uh to potentially win this title and go all the way i know joel's predicted her as her as his winner is is she now your winner now that coco goff has has fallen by the wayside chris well
0: kim so what i'm hoping is that um kenan now wins the title because then it was i was tossing up between the two of them <laughs> to predict as the winner of
1: course you um, were
0: that's the story i'm sticking to um but no i do think it's very impressive from me the way she started this tournament i mean her best uh, showing i think is a fourth round previously um she's already playing in a match to set up a fourth round potential match by getting the third round whilst as we talked about um we've got players like massetti andrescu who haven't even played yet so she's setting herself up quite nicely she's getting those matches done um and she's looking very convincing on the grass and That's something which we haven't always said about Ega. She looked a little bit more uncomfortable um, or maybe not uncomfortable, but it hasn't been her natural surface. Um, So getting these wins and making it look so convincing, I do just think um, you have to just put it... I mean, she is that good at slams. Every time she steps on court, she's the world number one. Um, Slams, she puts it together. So I wouldn't bet against having a deep run, but I do just think her service, I'm not sure it lends itself to um the deepest of runs to win the title but what do mm. i know i thought coco would win
1: <laughs> still question marks maybe over sriante we'll have to wait and see and when she gets you know her first real like tough test um djokovic also winning in straight sets today um so both him and shawanta you know nicely through in straight sets to the third round yet others still not in even you know played their first round Is there an argument that Wimbledon should have, you know, just only scheduled first round matches that still needed to be played on those show courts and just left any second rounds to till, you know, after these matches have been done? Or are they prioritising, you know, the likes of the the top seeds, making sure they have a nice, smooth, comfortable passage through, aren't affected at all by the rain? Is it, you know, an injustice, basically, that they're kind of treating, you know, players so differently based on their status when it comes to the, the rain and the scheduling?
0: I think you have to question the fact that there are still um, matches that could have been completed today if the scheduling was different and they were prioritized in the scheduling, whether that's on a um, a court with a roof or whether that's um, just getting them earlier on in the day. So I think they've got all of the first round matches for one of the halves done for both, but that's one half that's still suffering. Um, and I think that's, there's a, a tendency to want to try and ki- uh, keep to scheduling where possible. But at the same time, the players who are big names are getting preferential treatment by having the roof. Um, so uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think you should prioritise the matches that should still be played from round one because then you can avoid a situation where players still haven't played on um, day four and it can get into something where if you're playing five set after match after five-set match, Um, that can schedule you out of a tournament and we don't want to see that. So that would be my take. But at the same time, you wouldn't necessarily want to see, um, as we've said, some of the lower ranked players playing on centre court if you paid big money for that ticket. So... It's a tricky one. I'm not sure. What do you think, Kim?
1: Yeah, it's tricky. And I appreciate they've got to keep like the TV audiences and the corporates happy. And that's also why they don't make play earlier. You know, they still stick to that half one start time and, and one o'clock for Court one, which actually ended up being, I think, delayed because it rained just before and they had the roof open still. So, but it's just very, it does seem very illogical when you look at it from a kind of, I don't know, natural standpoint, maybe that, you know, you've got all this backlog, just start a bit earlier and, you know, just fit as much as you can in whoever they are. The players make up the tournament at the end of the day and surely they should still come above the likes of the corporates and hospitality and, and all the other requirements. But I, I guess it is a fine balance and if you're running a tournament you've got to think about many factors. So it's um it is a tricky one, but it is just a bit frustrating. I mean, going back to Djokovic, give Jordan Thompson his, his due. He made more of a match of it than I thought that match might be. Um, you know, it was two of the sets of seven, six, seven, five. So I think that was quite um, you know, nice to see. Cause I thought that one could be could be um, you know, very, very easy for Djokovic. But um he's through. Um let's have a look at some of the other action from today. Um other Brits in action, we did have mixed fortunes. Heather Watson also succumbing um, but, you know, not quite in the same manner as, as Jodie Burridge. Uh, she lost to one of your, your favourites, Chris, Krachikova. Uh, 6-2, 7-5. Uh, Watson not able to replicate her fourth round run of last year but it was always going to be a tough draw with Krzykova, um in the first round. So uh, she wasn't able to, uh, to get past it. You know, I thought maybe she could maybe just clinch, a th- you know, take it into a third set but frustratingly wasn't wasn't to be um you're not you're not putting your um you know anything behind critique of her for this tournament chris i know you've you've liked to predict her in the past but what did you make of her in her opening round
0: i think she was very pleased to win um playing against someone like heather heather thrives on the grass as you say she's had some great results here at Wimbledon some of her best results have been here i mean one of the matches i always remember she played against sevastopol when she was quite a high seed and i think she actually bagelled her in that match and and won that in straight sets and that's the other time she made it to the fourth round so um i think it's definitely a case where this could have been a tricky one and kuchikiva did what was required was it her best tennis i don't think it was Um, But not kind of having that go to three, I think is is a good result for Kachikovar. And as you have said, I mean, she hasn't really played that much on grass. Um, She's obviously um, had a lot of matches on clay, but she hasn't played that many seasons on grass. So it's interesting to see how she shapes up this year. Um, Her season has dropped off after Dubai, I would say, Kim. So I haven't been predicting her for everything. I prefer to predict people who've shown absolutely no form at all coming into a slam, and then say they're going to win it. So she's shown a little bit of form, so she's not my favourite, Kim.
1: <laughs> no, fair enough. But perhaps we'll, we'll see her pick her season back up again here. I mean, going back to the Brits, Katie Balter uh, came through in straight, so we did get a British victory. Uh, she beat Darius Saville um, 7-6-6-2, which, which is great. I mean, this match, unfortunately... Most notably, perhaps, was disrupted by a Just Stop Oil protester. It was the second of the day because uh, we had one earlier in the match on the same court, Court 18, between Dimitrov and Shima Shima Bakuru. God, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know, show Shima Bakuru. That is uh, that's a new name for me. Um, Just Stop Oil. We've had two protests today on the same court. Um, I think, orange confetti mixed with a Wimbledon Centre court jigsaw puzzle, which um, it's a very bizarre combination. But, um, yeah, these individuals were able to get onto the court and you know, security have dealt with them. They, I think they've been taken away and, and arrested for, I think, trespass. Um, but some of the players are actually having to pick up the jigsaw uh, puzzle pieces to clear the court, um, which was nice of them to help out, but something they definitely shouldn't have to do. There's been a lot in the headlines about potential protests because Jostapur have targeted a lot of sporting events recently. So I think Wimbledon were very much expecting this. And, you know, I know there was has been a lot of discussion and debate about the queue and security delays. But obviously... Security has not been able to stop this. I don't think it's really possible to stop, you know, a bunch of confetti being brought in. Um, and it's obviously not possible to stop someone buying a jigsaw puzzle from Wimbledon's shop on site. Um, so what did you make of this, Chris? Do you think we're going to see more of these over the over the rest of the tournament? Do you think security, like on the court itself, perhaps needs to be even stricter? Because um, these people are obviously able to like literally run onto the, the court. Um, yeah. What do you think Wimbledon are going to do about this?
0: It's a sad day for jigsaw enthusiasts, Kim, because oh, no. what if you had your eye on that Wimbledon jigsaw puzzle and now surely they'll have to stop selling it because picking up a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle for anyone who does do jigsaws, that is not an easy feat. And I think overall, we all thought this was going to happen. We thought this, there would be kind of a lot more focus on what people brought in, in the queue. And obviously they've tried to get around that by buying something in the gift shop. It's just a shame, you know, that this this happens in this way, Because it's not really going to necessarily make that much of a big impact here because um, the story is really kind of that the players kind of took to the court to kind of get rid of the jigsaw and get on with it. Um, So it wasn't necessarily the big headline they wanted. And some of the metaphors they used around not leaving it to the next generation to pick up the pieces and we don't need Hawkeye to see our government is doing this wrong. And I think maybe this wasn't the most... um, obvious thing for them to protest in this way um but i think it's just a shame that like whatever you do you can't stop this but thank goodness it wasn't something more serious because as you say people can get so close to the players um, and so at least this was a peaceful protest no one was hurt um, and the only thing that's suffering is actually the jigsaw community because katie boulter came back on and she won five points in a row um, after that happened. So maybe Daria Savile won't be um, such a big enthusiast of jigsawing come Christmas. But either way, I mean, it's so annoying when these things happen for the organisers, for the players and for the spectators.
1: Yeah, I, I just it's made me think actually I watched the last five episodes of Breakpoint recently and I think... Iga Sviantek in one of them is doing a jigsaw puzzle uh, to focus herself. So this is the second time in a week that tennis and jigsaw puzzles have come together, uh, in in my mind anyway. Um, I just, yeah, feel sorry for anyone who wants to maybe buy a jigsaw puzzle from the shop because, yeah, clearly they're not going to be available, uh, maybe for the foreseeable. Um, I just think these protesters looked a bit silly and a bit pathetic. It is silly. I'm glad it wasn't a violent protest. Obviously, the player safety and the safety of fans and everyone at the event is the most important. But yeah, are Just Stop Oil really achieving their aims and their goals by doing this kind of small-scale disruption? It just, I think, has got to the point where no one is going to really like. Yeah, there are we do sympathise with their cause, but the manner in which they're going about about it is just not bringing supporters to their cause, and it's just causing annoyance um so let's hope we don't see any more from them this fortnight and i hope it doesn't like negatively impact like cures again because of what's happened today um yeah it's it's frustrating but perhaps somewhat inevitable and i'm just glad like you said it wasn't anything more serious it just kind of looked a bit silly and a bit embarrassing really um so um Yes, I mean we have seen protests before, you know, with the French Open. I think someone chained themselves to a net, so it's it's not the first time, obviously. Uh, but see, making headlines in the UK with with this campaign, this protest group at the moment. Um, let's get back to the tennis. Um, let's have a look at some of the other results. Maria Zachary's out uh, today. She lost to Marta Kostuk. Weirdest thing about this, it was in three sets, but Zachary won the first set, six love. So after dishing out a bagel, she then subsequently lost, which doesn't happen very often, does it, Chris? I was quite baffled by that scoreline. Score what did you make of, of Kostuk's comeback in that one? But I
0: I thought I saw the first set scoreline, and I actually had predicted an upset for this match when I was looking at the draw. And I thought, here we go again. I thought Kosuke had a chance, and it was a six love set. I thought I'd cursed um, poor Marta, but no, she came back and she got it done. And again, it's the exact same thing we see. Sakari's not a closer, and so when you get to five, well, five all. Um, you don't back her to come through some of those tight moments and and tight encounters. So it's the second consecutive Grand Slam that she's lost in the first round. Obviously, Mukova was a very tough draw in the French Open. Mm. Um, But Kostya, that's a winnable match. And um, it is very much kind of the case that she's got to be looking and kind of searching for what's going wrong when it comes to this because um, it's not the result that she'd want. But one thing I did see was the fact that it's only the third time that... um, a player has defeated a top 10 seed um, having lost the first set six love. And the reason why this was a particular uh, significance to me was that the first match I ever watched um, on television at Wimbledon was why Daniel Hachikova is one of my favourites. It was the match she played against Shinobu Asagoe, where she was actually winning that match. And then she ended up, unfortunately... Um, crying on the court. It was very sad that she lost that in a very long final set. I think it was 10-8 or something. So um, probably when you lose a match, having won the first set of six love, um, it doesn't necessarily fill you with confidence in, in your game or where you're at at the time. So I think for, S- for Sakari she has to really think about what's going on with the game.
1: Is that really the first match you ever watched on telly from Wimbledon? The uh, over? Hanticova- one
0: the first match i remember watching i would have been oh wow yeah i i don't think i was particularly watching tennis that much before then. Amazing. i think um i just needed to to come into my life for me to start watching it
1: i'm i'm just glad that obviously her losing from being six love up didn't put you off her and you still became a big fan yeah, yeah she knew the support is
0: what i thought
1: <laughs> oh she endeared herself to you i'm so pleased <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it was uh, yeah, it was sort of uh, one of those scoreboard stories that we we love to uh, to get our teeth into. I mean, let's have a look at the the men's results from today uh, as well. Um, obviously, we mentioned Djokovic earlier. Some um, matches carried over from the day before. Taylor Fritz finally got to finish his match, um, sort of after starting it on on Monday. He came through in the fifth set, uh, 6-3 over Yannick Hanfman, which, yeah, had been quite a, a tough encounter. So I think he was just really pleased to actually get on the court and get playing again. Um, so he will now play Mikel Imer, um, who came through Alex Malkan. Um Another match that we've had that's just been really fantastic today i saw the first set and a half of this yesterday before the rain came down uh stefano sits against uh, dominic team uh sits winning that seven six and a match tiebreak in the fifth set um which is yeah fantastic um end to the match very exciting very very good tennis i thoroughly enjoyed watching that one on the telly quite annoyed i didn't get to see it all in person um yeah, what did you make of this do you think what what you've seen from like sits pass throughout that match the fact that you know team gave him a, a run for his money what are you thinking when it comes to sits pass against Andy Murray um because obviously we've got that matchup that was expected in the draw and that's that's gonna be that's gonna be an interesting one isn't it Chris
0: Yeah, it is going to be an interesting one. And we talked about whether that was a good draw or a bad draw. We had the debate again yesterday, Joel and I. We both landed Kim on the side of it being quite a good draw. So um, based on the form when it comes to how we predict this, uh, it will be a whitewash uh, in Sitsipas's favour. But no, I think there are positives from this match, despite the fact that it doesn't necessarily look that great on paper for Sitsipas because he did only face three break points across the five sets um, and was only broken once. So... Uh, I think it's a case where we've seen it multiple times before, but he isn't getting it done on return. So I think that will be the key when they play. Murray is one of the best returners in the game. If he's able to serve well and return well, I think he will have chances because uh, when you saw this match coming into this and the form that team has had, you wouldn't have thought he would have been pushed all this way. So he did well to get through it. Um, but I think that Andy Murray, a dulled and Andy Murray on centre court, is a more challenging prospect than Dominic Team, so I'm I'm gonna give Murray the edge there. What about you?
1: Well, I do have Murray still losing in the second round in my collector set, so I'm gonna stick with uh that for now, just to try and put a faith in my you predictions. You don't want that to happen, surely? Oh, not. no, no, I'd obviously like Murray to win. Um, I was just I was a bit gutted for Team. I thought it'd be so nice for him to have like a big win at a Slam. It's been so long, and he's been in the wilderness, and I just thought. What a massive confidence boost this would give him! So I was all kind of ready for that to happen, but perhaps, perhaps at the U.S. Open, um, let's take. At he's least got... you saw
0: the set he won.
1: <laughs> at least I want to say he won, yeah. <laughs> um, but let's look at some of the other results from today. Ray Onich, uh won through. Uh, he's back at Wimbledon for the first time since 2019. He beat Dennis Novak in four sets. Um, we also had a win for Daniel Medvedev over Arthur Ferry, a young British guy. Um, who did pretty well, I thought, considering it it was his first time, you know, on a show called Wimbledon. I think he showed a lot of promise. Um, I think there was some nice words from Medvedev at the net um, because Ferry is currently out at, you know, university in the States. So I think this would be a fantastic experience for him, um, you know, competing at Wimbledon, I think, for the first time. So, yeah, really, really nice to see Ferry, um, you know, doing reasonably well. Uh, Francis TFO also through as well. Uh, but one player who is out, who many people predicted to go quite deep, Sebastian Corda, losing in four sets to Yeri Vesely. Um, what did you make of that, Chris? Because a lot of people are quite shocked by this.
0: I mean, I was shocked by this um, because he had so much... Um, sort of hype coming into this in terms of the fact that his game should match up wonderfully on grass. He's got a great serve. Uh, he was playing pretty well um, coming into the tournament. Obviously, he's not played much this year. Uh, he's been very unlucky with injury. But this is a match that you really would think he would be winning. And, and it's a case where he he predicted that he saw himself as a favorite coming in. Um, and again, it's another situation where someone who hasn't got it done at slams is kind of seeing themselves as having a chance to win it and i fully understand backing yourself and thinking you can, knowing that you have to think you can win it if you're going to enter these tournaments but this was going out with a bit of a whimper because it wasn't like he pushed vesley um, to tie breaks and it was very closely sort of fought um it was kind of some very uh kind of straightforward sets a 6-2 and a 6-3 set um in sets uh, three and four so for me this was a big letdown and obviously Vesley is dangerous he's had wins um, against uh, Zverev and team when they're both ranked in the top 10 at Wimbledon um, and it just makes you think that when will he put it together um, because he did say he had good fitness coming into this and he just doesn't get the results.
1: Yeah and I mean I'd sort of bigged Vesely up slightly in our preview pod because I, I know he he can play really well on his day and he's got a massive serve. So I'm not as surprised as maybe some, but it's, it's a shame because I did still think Corda would come through. I just thought we might have a bit of a battle. Um, Vesely's never lost a first round at Wimbledon. He's nine and oh, which is very impressive. So um, impressive. So perhaps he can, he can go a bit further um, because that would be, that would be something to see. Um I mean, yeah, Corda will be, will be gutted, I think, because he really did. I think he had, had more of a chance. Um, I'm just also looking at some of the other results from today. Obviously, Sinner's come through, Schwarzman quite comfortably. A couple of um, predictions from from us that we made, though. Uh, We had, I think, Roberto bautista Agut going quite deep some of us he's he's gone out in five sets uh joel had talon Greek i think in his quarterfinal he's gone out um so some of our predictions already looking a bit funny as as usual but um well we'll, we'll have to see how the rest of the go is
0: still going
1: <laughs> Djokovic we is all still had going. him to win didn't we <laughs> yes um and i'll be very much surprised if that doesn't happen based on what we've seen already so far um And we'll be back on Saturday evening to catch up on the third round action or possibly second round or possibly first round action from Wimbledon. I think the weather's looking a bit better, so we should be able to get through plenty more matches. Um, But we'll be back then to round up all of the highlights uh, from the championship. So listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode, our round two catch-up and round one catch-up of the Tennis Weekly podcast. Uh, Do remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all of the action from the Grand Slams and from the ATP and WTA Tours. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
0: You can also follow us on social media or email the show. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. And that's at Tennis Weekly Pod for the handle. And we're posting about all of the fun we're having at Wimbledon. So do make sure you check out our social channels. You can also email the show, tennisweeklypod at gmail.com, or check out our website, tennisweekly.co.uk.
1: And as I said, we'll be back on Saturday at Tennis Weekly HQ for our next Wimbledon catch-up. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Chris. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. And we will see you again soon.